We worship you in the beauty of your holiness. Uh, we ask, O oh God, that he, you grant that each and every heart that is under the influence of this worship will receive a ministration, a revelation of the majesty of your awesome holiness in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you. First John chapter 3. First John chapter 3 from verse number 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we shall know, we shall know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that has this hope in him purified himself even as he is pure. Whosoever committed sin transgressed also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And he know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin. Follow the progression. Follow the progression. The reason for which it was manifested was to take away our sins and in him is no sin. Whosoever abided in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth has not seen him, neither known him. Are, are you with me? So if you abide in him, you cannot make a habitual practice of sin. His nature that is within you will restrain you. You will feel uncomfortable. So when you find someone that is comfortable with sin, it is because the nature of God is not in him. And we are speaking from the organic perspective. Are you there? It is possible that a careless believer can fall into sin. However, that believer will not stay in sin, will not remain in the habit of sinning the reason is because the nature of God in him is not a sinful nature. It's not a nature that supports sin. And so when someone is caught up in sin, the nature of God will revolt against that action. You will not feel comfortable. And because of that, if you are someone that intends to restore your fellowship with God, you will stand back and repent profusely so that fellowship can be restored. It is not possible 
for someone that has the nature of God to be comfortable in a habit of sin. So the Bible says, whosoever abided in him sinneth not. The nature of God does not support sin. So if you have someone that abides in him, someone that is depending on him, someone that has found him as a refuge, one of the markers that indicates such a life is that such a person does not make a habitual practice of sin. In fact, the context of my current prayer is make me perfect. Yeah. If Jesus said we should be perfect, then it is possible to be perfect. Make me perfect. So whosoever abided in him sinneth not, whosoever sinneth has not seen him. Such a person that abides perpetually in sin has not seen God, has not met with God, and does not know God. These are very strong statements here, and we need to put it into cognizance. Um, verse 7. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. He's talking about the fruit. Are you with me now? Fruit. The day you stood, the day you accepted Jesus into your life, there's a judicial aspect to that activity. And the judicial aspect is that you, from the perspective of the justice system of heaven, you were declared righteous. That righteousness was imputed to you not because you did anything that was right. It's just because you accepted God's solution for humankind. So you became right in the eyes of the justice system of heaven. That's the meaning of justification. It's a legal word. When a judge in the court of law de declares you um, discharged and acquitted, it means you are righteous of the allegation. You are righteous of the accusation. So we became righteous with reference to the original sin and we were cleared of the charges the moment we accepted the work of Jesus on the cross and appropriated what he did to apply to us. We became recipients of the mercy of God. We became recipients of the justice of God and God judges righteously, so he declared us discharged and acquitted. Not because we did anything right. It's because of what Jesus did. So our initial positional righteousness is a function of what Jesus did. Are you still following what I'm talking about? I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to refresh your memory on the, the implication of justice. Such justice that was satisfied by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So you were declared righteous not because of anything you did. You were declared righteous because of what Jesus did. Now, so this man is saying here that let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness 
is righteous. Now, this man is trying to separate the righteousness of Jesus Christ from your own personal righteousness. It's on the strength of what Jesus did. Are you there? That you were declared righteous. Now, when you leave that court of law as discharged and acquitted, you are expected to begin to live a righteous life from that point. So there's supposed to be a doing, a practice of righteousness that should follow your imputation of righteousness. Righteousness was imputed to you because you accepted Jesus and the implication of his sacrifice on your life. That's the positional level of righteousness. There is a practical level of righteousness which is supposed to result from that positional righteousness. So he is making a case here for practical righteousness. The righteousness that is going to come from my life because my new nature now is the nature of being right before God. Oh my God, you are not following what I'm talking about here. Are you, are you with me? So our new nature is righteousness. The basis, in fact, righteousness is what even creates a premise for us to be able to engage God in prayer. Apart from righteousness, this positional righteousness that I speak about, we do not have a platform to stand on to engage God without condemnation, without inferiority. So, and God knows that we do not have the capacity to achieve that righteousness, so... He made it available to us through faith. Our faith in Jesus Christ has brought us to a point where we are right with respect to the justice system of heaven. But that's, that's judicial righteousness. There's a difference between judicial righteousness and practical righteousness. Now, if you believe some believers have received judicial righteousness and they have failed to sustain practical righteousness. Now, such believers have been deceived by sin. Sin has brainwashed them. Sin has made them think, are you there? That because they did nothing to attain judicial righteousness, they were declared righteous on the account of what Jesus did. They no longer have any obligation to live righteously. That's what the deceit of sin has done. But this man is now giving us insight. And that's why he started with the statement, let no man, what? Deceive you. It is deception to think that now that we have, we have been blessed with judicial righteousness, we are no longer obligated to live righteous. So he's making a case for practical righteousness. Living in righteousness on the strength of our new nature. And our new nature is that we have been declared righteous before God. When we stand before God, we stand not condemned. When we stand before God, we stand without any form of inferiority. That, that is now the status of our new nature. And this status of our new nature must correspond with righteous living. 
You know, I told us the other time that if you read the book of Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 6, and Matthew chapter 7, which is supposed to be a compendium of the Christian lifestyle, the emphasis of Matthew 5, 6, 7 is lifestyle. How a Christian deals with people that are persecuting him, how a Christian deals with money, what's it's, how does it deal with money? What is the place of money in the life of a Christian? How a Christian deals with civil authority, how a Christian deals with this and that, it is about lifestyle. And the summary of Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, in keeping with lifestyle, is that a Christian is expected to be righteously strict with himself. That's, I'm, I'm summarizing Matthew chapter 5 right now. Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 7. A Christian must be righteously strict with himself. Hallelujah. Um, one of my sons, Apostle uh, Tolu, he escalated a situation to me. I don't know where he went, but he preached powerfully and a young lady was blessed. And the young lady insisted to come for counseling. And uh, when he gave her the opportunity, the lady said she had, she had been blessed. She had been delivered. All kinds of things have taken place in her life. And she knows that it is, it is necessary for her to bring a seed to the man of God that has been such a blessing to her life. And she doesn't have money. So she's offering him a moment of sexual intercourse as payment or as a seed. Now, may the Lord give you understanding. May the... <laughs> and um, he discharged her. And uh, do you know that the lady followed up on that? You know how it, you know, follow up. She followed up on that offer during the course of that conference, again and again, to ensure that she registers a seed to the man of God. Now, are you with me? Listen to me carefully. A believer is supposed to be righteously strict with himself. Our call to do righteousness after that we have become, we have been declared righteous. There's, there's a, there is an obligation to do righteousness. That obligation requires that you cannot be a loose canon. That obligation requires that you cannot be a loose man. I'm even more friendly in Makodi than outside. Outside Makodi, I'm not friendly. Because I'm going to meet people that I don't know. I know you, so I can be friendly with you. All right? But I'm going to meet people outside that I don't know, so I am, if you meet me outside, I'm not friendly. There is, I'm doing that to protect myself. 
there is a responsibility to live righteous after you have been declared righteous. Are you there? Now, someone, someone that has not been declared righteous, if he attempts to do something that looks like righteousness, that is attempt is equivalent to filthy rags before God. Are you there? It will never qualify to be accepted in the sight of God. But when you have been declared righteous, it is expected that you live righteous. And that's the obligation that is making us to understand here. Now, see his perspective. Stay with me. He said, he that doeth righteousness is righteous. Now, the day you gave your life to Christ, we're not there. The day the judicial righteousness was imputed to you, we're not there. The only way we can know that you have righteousness in your heart is when we see you do righteousness. So in our own analysis as men, we are not God. In our analysis as men, we can confirm that you are righteous when we see you doing righteousness. We can confirm that you are unrighteous when we see that you are doing unrighteousness. So in order for, for you to be able to do righteousness, are you there? The spirit of grace is what makes it possible for you to do righteousness. What is required here is doing and you cannot do it on the resources of your flesh. You can only do righteousness on the resources of the spirit of grace. You can only operate in keeping with your new nature when the spirit of grace is available. Are you there? So as a minister of the gospel, the kind of offer that Tolu had, somewhere along the line, if you begin, if you function in the cutting edge of your calling, you are likely to stumble on such offers, either nationally or internationally. And if you forget that a righteous man is supposed to be righteously strict with himself, you are likely to engage in an act that God will be angry about. I want to be perfect. I want senior citizens that have female children to be at peace, to release their children for me to pastor. That's what I want. I want to be an example of Christianity. I don't want to be a liability in the house of God that brings shame to the name of our God. If you want to be such a kind of person, you are going to have to be strict on yourself. So the objective here is we have a responsibility to do righteousness. And anyone that claims or tells you or preaches to you that doing righteousness is not required, that person is deceiving you. That's what John is saying here. And the reason why the standard of righteousness in nature and in action cannot be compromised, cannot, nothing short of that will be accepted is because he himself is righteous. Did you get that? All right, verse 8 is my real 
scripture. It says, he that committed sin is of the devil. It is possible that a believer can decide, can decide to make a perpetual practice habit of sinning. Such a believer has given the devil the right to manipulate his possibilities. So the victory that the Bible speaks about that we have access to on the basis of our union with Christ, his life will be a contradiction to that victory. In fact, in fact, that believer can become a poison in a congregation because sin is contagious. Can become a poison. The reason why that believer is a dangerous person, the one that lives in sin perpetually, is because sin is contagious. The person is operating in a counterproductive way. The person is operating in a way that is not consistent with the expectation of God. The grace of God doesn't come to support the works of the flesh, but the grace of God comes to implement the will of God. Don't ever forget that. The grace of God doesn't, what? It doesn't come to support the work of the flesh but it comes to fulfill the will of God. So this person that is committing sin habitually has decided to swim against the tide of the purpose of God. And the example of life that he is living to his generation is a life that is an idea of the devil. Are you there? So he that committed sin is of the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of Man was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. I read this progression of Revelation from verse 2 to show us that the meaning of the works of the devil in First John chapter 3 verse 8 is sin. The reason for which Jesus came was to undo the authority that sin has so that it will be possible for us to live beyond the power of sin. Sin wants to have dominion. Sin wants to rule over us. Part of the reason for which Jesus came is to undo the power of sin so that it will be possible for humankind through the spirit of grace to live beyond the power of sin. So a believer that decides to camp with sin has, has decided not to go in the direction of God's vision, has decided not to go in the direction of God's empowerment because the spirit of grace is sufficient empowerment that can undo the power of sin and launch us into victorious living. So this guy that commits sin uh, 
has decided to become one with the devil because he is trafficking in the devil's products. Um, I think I need to go further. Maybe I will show you from the extent to which Christ, uh, scriptures reveal the implication of someone that comes in sin habitually. Are you with me? The spirit of grace is the antidote to sin. The proof that you have received the spirit of grace is that you are living beyond the power, the influence, the dominion of sin. So anyone that is making a, a habitual practice of sin, first of all, has refused, denied the energy, the sufficiency that the spirit of grace is making available. And that person wants to be one with the devil because sin is the devil's creation. Are you there? So if you as a believer decide now to swim along the tide of the creativity of Satan, there are implications. This is not supposed to be the expectation after all the resources that God has made available to ensure that victorious living is possible. So if someone comes with sin, comes in sin, he has taken sides with the devil. He has not taken sides with God. If you camp with the spirit of grace, you have taken sides with God and the victory that the spirit of grace produces over sin will be evident in your lifestyle. Are you there with me? I saw a debate on uh, Facebook uh, yesterday night uh, whether or not it is possible for a believer to lose his salvation. I don't know why that is an argument. I don't know why it is an argument because the Bible, is this not our authority? Do we have another book? Is there another book that our faith is based on? The practice of our faith is based on? Is there any other book? The Bible speaks about the possibility of someone's, a believer's name to be blotted out of the book of life. Is there any other way to interpret that? I'm, I'm talking to you now. Now, if you ever went to any form of school at all, maybe primary school, there is always a register of the pupils that are in a certain class. So if, we, if for any reason your name is blotted out of that register, it means that you are no longer part of that class. The school can no longer be called to account for the fact that you are absent from that environment. Are you there? And it will interest you to know, because I don't have time to do that work today, it will interest you to know that there are 80 scriptures in the New Testament that speak about possible consequences for believers that tabernacle in the corridor of sin. 80 scriptures. Now, if that matter was not a grievous concern, it will not appear 80 times. Somebody is asking me a question here. But you know what the person said? He said, Pastor, so how much of sin can I commit before I lose my salvation? Unfortunately for us, it is not captured 
in doctrine. You will need to use your life to experiment it. And I wish you luck in Jesus' name. If it were there, I would have brought it out. Because that's, my, that's what the anointing I have. That's what it does. And I've checked on this subject. So it's not supposed to be an argument. You decide. We even need to know how much sin someone commits before he loses salvation. So if there's any volunteer, we, we want to learn. When we scroll and do diligent studies through the Old Testament, you will notice that the Bible recorded that the Spirit of the Lord left Samson. Now, if the Spirit of the Lord can leave a man, uh, I don't think we should be having that, that argument. It's a dangerous thing to fall into the hand of God. It is not something that you will like. After this life, you will discover that you are, you are without strength. Where, where your spirit will appear, you are without strength to change anything there. That's when you will know how powerful God is. And it's a terrible thing to fall into the hand of God. Even if I were to live single, with the spirit of grace that is available, I will not commit immorality. single. I was away from home for 11 years. I hope you know that. Because of work. Wow, you are not interested. This, because I'm talking about sin, people are, I'm seeing depression all everywhere in the whole, the whole place. Ah. Ah. Are you there? By the time you struggle to sleep with that lady, you discover that it's the same with what you, your wife has. <laughs> May the Lord give you understanding. All right, so. The Bible says, for this purpose, the Son of Man was made manifested. The Son of God was made manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So if we camp with sin, it means we're operating in a way that is counterproductive. We have decided to swim against the tide and that which God wants to achieve in us by reason of the investment of the spirit of grace, he will not be able to achieve it. And we also stand the danger of losing our salvation. That is the reason why I've decided that it is better for me to be righteously strict with myself. It is in keeping with a tender love for my soul for me to be righteously strict with myself. Someone might ask, okay, now we know that the spirit of grace has more authority than sin, so that where sin abounds, the grace of God much more abounds to be a sufficient antidote to cancel out the effect, the influence, and the power of sin so that I can live above sin every given time. So if, if you have a problem of lying, you can overcome it through the spirit of grace. If you have a problem of immorality, it can be overcome. Now, all I need to do now is to just digress a little and show you 
how to access grace. Because if you know how to access grace, you don't have any business living in sin. The resources that will undo the potential that sin has is rooted in the grace of God. So the Bible says that for this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest. The implication of that scripture is that the manifestation of Jesus led to the availability of grace, and it is grace that is the antidote to sin. Now, so if we now say, are you there? Are you following me? Um, when I travel around and I allow for counseling and personal interaction, I, I get this a lot. Um, some will say, okay, the spirit of lust has been following me. So strong. Um, the spirit of grace is stronger than the spirit of lust. And the fact that the spirit of lust is on you doesn't mean that you sin. So once and again, that spirit comes on all of us, not only you. I just discovered that Satan cannot make me remove my belt. So the spirit of loss is on me, I know. But that spirit of loss doesn't have the power to enable me remove my belt. So when Satan is tired, he will remove it. Because I'm not going to swim along the tide of the empowerment that the spirit of loss wants to bring. Now, do you understand what I'm talking about here? You need to be strict to yourself because you will meet lust. God will not kill all the beautiful ladies in my country because you are here. Are you, are you with me? What he's doing is that he's empowering you not to be enslaved by what you see. There are very beautiful things in the land. So it is not news when you come and say, the spirit of lust. Sometimes even when I'm fasting, it comes. But it doesn't produce anything. It can come. <laughs> no problem. Bring more. When you are tired and you know that the resources are not producing results, you will look for someone else and transfer it. That's the point of being strict to yourself. Don't begin to explain away well, that am I is my body iron? Am I when you go into that philosophy, you are already falling. May the Lord give us understanding. The name of Jesus. So we all experience it. Huh? When Satan gets tired, he takes his thing away. And we are still making progress. So Satan has seen that with the energy of lust, he wasn't able to achieve compliance. It means there is something stronger than lust that I have. That is the reason why lust cannot get me. Because something stronger than lust, more ancient than lust, is available to me. And I subscribe to it. So, don't think anything is wrong with you if the spirit of lust is on you. If it has not been able to push you into negative action, it means that you are still living within the scope of strength that grace has made available. You don't know that some of us are more tempted than you. 
We have more grace because there is more temptation on our part. So there's nothing you are coming to tell me that I've not experienced two, three, four times over. I don't want to tell you stories today because I'm on, online. Women in this country that have said that their objective for me is that I should just sleep with them just once. They will send me money, big money. The kind of money I'm talking about is, is an abomination to have that kind of money. But yes, it's an abomination. But the only requirement is just sleep with her once. Just once. And the technicalities on how to keep it eternally secret have been put in place. You just, just say yes, it is done. And then big money. May I not have that kind of money? May you stay, may the Lord help you to stay where it will be easy for you to operate in righteousness. There is a place you will get to. Your authority, you'll be stripped of your authority. I don't have time. I don't. When we're offline, I will, I will talk to you. Strange experiences. Satan will come and test the resolve of your soul. And he will test you again. And he will test you outside of your country, outside of your domain. Under different circumstances. He will test to see your commitment. My strength is that I am aware of the fact that the, the, the power that enables me to live above sin is stronger than sin. Hallelujah. So we have dealt with the spirit of grace, the antidote to sin. Now, I want us to do the hard one, the spirit of glory. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 14. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 to 14. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice in so much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, Happier ye. Why? For the spirit of glory and of God rested upon you. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, it's a happier ye. Why? Because the spirit of glory and of God doth rest on you. So it's either called, are you there? It is, and it will interest you to know that it's the spirit of glory that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, I want to give you an explanation before we continue. Are you there? When Jesus was brought before, in fact, when Jesus' case was discussed in the Sanhedrin, which was the Jewish ruling council, 
and they were looking for a loophole in the law in order to be able to sentence Jesus to death. All the Pharisees and the Sadducees for the first time were united in this purpose. And when they sought a loophole in the law, in the Torah, to be able to sentence Jesus to death, they found none. So the chief priest had to come up with a doctrine of necessity. It is, not, is it not better for one man to die than for a whole nation? That was the doctrine of necessity he came up with, which was not inclusive in the Torah. It's on the, on the strength of a doctrine of necessity that Jesus was sentenced to death by the Jewish ruling council. When Jesus was brought before Pilate and the constitution of the Roman Empire was before Pilate and Pilate did not find one clause that would justify the execution of Jesus. Pilate left the justice system of the Romans and he also took advantage of an ancient tradition which provided that one criminal sentenced to death could be set at liberty on the strength of the choice of the people. Can you see that no system of justice whatsoever was part of the decision that led to the execution of Jesus? Are you there? So the Sanhedrin was the Jewish ruling council, the Jewish court, where issues among the Jews were settled. Since Israel was not a self-governing nation at the time, the ruling power over Israel was Rome. So we have two courts that have sentenced Jesus to death without the backing of their own creed, their own grown norm. Are you there now? So, they forgot that there's a third court, which is a higher, the highest court, which is the court of heaven. So, God, are you following? God, who is a judge of all, sat in justice and saw that it was, Jesus' death was an act of injustice from all the human courts. So, he overruled the position of these courts. And that overruling was what was manifested as resurrection. So the spirit of glory came upon Jesus to raise him from the dead because according to the justice system of heaven, he was, um, what's the legal language for that? He was what? He was innocent. He was blameless. So the court of heaven overruled the position of the courts of men and the manifestation of that was in resurrection. Are you there now? Good. So the Bible is saying, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, you suffer not because of any wrongdoing you did, but you are suffering because of your fraternity with the name of Christ, your identification with the name of Christ and the purpose of the Lord upon the face of the earth. Now, this apostle is telling you, he say, happy are you. The reason is because sometime coming, the court of heaven is going to sit on your case. 
And the measure of injustice that you have suffered because of the kingdom of God will be meted out and a corresponding dimension of the spirit of glory to exalt you will be administered. Did you get that? Or you didn't get that? Let me show you something here. Are you there with me in the book of Acts chapter 5 beginning from verse 34 to 41? Acts chapter 5 verse 34 to 41. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space. And he said unto them, ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do as touching this man. For before these days rose up Tadas, boasting in himself to be somebody, to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who were slain, and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. And after these rose up Judas of Galilee, in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him and he also perished and all even as many as obeyed him were dispersed and now i say unto you refrain from these men and let them alone for if this counsel or this work be of men it will come to naught. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest ye aptly, lest aptly ye be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. This was the reaction of the apostles. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. It, it, it means there is, there is an aspect of discipleship that we were not taught. That these guys were taught. Because they are supposed to be leaving the place where they were flogged, broken. Regretting. Now from my tribe, if someone is sorrowful, they can make crying a song. Eh? They can convert tears to melody. The person is crying, but the, the way the person is crying is as if you can take roll up the drums and the guitar and follow the melody that the person is producing with the tears. I was expecting them to cry that way. And these guys came out of the place where they were flocked. And they were no young boys. Though. They were at least 40 years and above. And they were flogged like this. And when they came out, they were rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. What did they teach them that they have not taught us? 
What did I expose them to that we have not been exposed to? It, 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 should, it must interest you to know that the way our salvation was uttered was with suffering. That's how Jesus uttered our salvation. And the Bible says that he is the author and the finisher of our believing. He uttered our salvation. He fulfilled the will of God that he was called to do on earth through suffering. And that is a pattern for all of them that will follow Christ. Anyone that is going to follow Christ in truth is going to experience persecution. Is going to experience suffering because of his identification with Christ. So God is aware of that. So what he has done is that he created an incentive. An incentive that uh, will make persecution to be something that true disciples will look forward to. And the incentive is that by reason of the reckoning of the justice system of heaven, you become entitled to the spirit of glory. <laughs> oh my God. It's becoming, the thing is, is entering now. The spirit of glory. And you know, I told you, there's a reference point to the spirit of glory. It is the spirit of glory that rose Jesus from the dead. The spirit of glory. So when you are being persecuted, it's as if you are being silenced. It's as if you are being shut up. See, it's, it's, it's like you are being cut off. But when the spirit of glory comes upon you, remember what Gamaliel said, that if this thing is of God, you cannot overthrow it. If this thing is of men, it will come to naught. Are you there now? Part of the way that God shows that the thing is from him is that he releases the spirit of glory upon it. And instead of the persecution to lead to destruction, to dispassion, the persecution will lead to fortification, exaltation, and promotion. And I am here to tell you that some of the growth and some of the favor we have ex ex experienced as individuals and as a ministry is because of persecution. Persecution is a good thing. The spirit of glory will be released to produce the opposite of what the people that are persecuting you had in mind. As a sign that this cannot be overthrown because it is of God. The spirit of glory. The spirit of glory. Don't rest upon you. I'm thinking of which example I will give you from my own personal experience. Because there are many examples. Examples of all kinds of pressures or persecutions that came because of the message of the kingdom. And even till now, we are going through persecutions, which is a sign that we are in alignment. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, what the persecutors don't know is that they are 
making us eligible for heavier measures of the spirit of glory because you cannot overthrow what God is doing. The spirit of glory dot rest upon you. Happy are you. Are you there? I went to preach in one country and uh, unfortunately before we came is it unfortunate or fortunate? Depending for, on the angle you are looking at it from. A certain blogger that I've never met now took he saw something happening in that country that was not biblical. And the thing that was happening was, it was men of God, leading men of God that were responsible for it. So in order to critique that thing, he went and got one of my messages, caught a part of it, and presented it as part of the argument to establish the case against that trend. Are you there? And I've never met this um, blogger. Never met him before. I hear that preachers pay bloggers to fight people and to do all that stuff. <laughs> that one is not a preacher. <laughs> if you can pay money for someone to criticize somebody, he's... he's is is in circus. You know those days there's something that we used to call circus. How many of you still remember it? If you are not if you have not been around in the 70s, you may not know what I'm talking about. Just drama. So, and it will interest you to know that I preached that sermon like two years before the blogger is using it now to critique a situation. And I had a meeting in that nation at the time. The first thing we experienced was that our billboards that were everywhere. I know, I know you know what I'm talking about. The people were mobilized. And they were not mobilized from other places, from church, churches, to vandalize our billboards. In fact, the owner of the man renting the bill. Sorry, the owner of the billboard, the guy that rents the billboard out, say in the history of this billboard, it has never been vandalized. Commotion everywhere. Commotion everywhere in that nation. And I prayed about it. God was still saying, go. And that was enough for me. Are you, are you there? Then the spirit of glory. <laughs> oh, Jesus he said when you are when you are let me where's that scripture i need i need that scripture back first peter chapter 4 verse 14 if ye be reproached for the name of christ happy are ye happy are ye 
Everything was done to make that meeting flop. I'm not talking about small men. I'm talking about men that, heavy men. Everything was done to make sure that that meeting flopped. And you know what? Because it was of God, it could not be overthrown. That was one of the litmus tests that, that showed me that uh, even if I am called to be with the Lord, what has happened, what is taking place will not die. No, it won't. <laughs> I saw men in authority fight and they lack the ability to overthrow it. He said, happy are you. That this is, the, this is the root to authority. This is the root to spiritual capacity. Because if you are going to be an emissary for the kingdom of God and you don't have marks of suffering, you are a liar. There's going to be resistance because you want to stand for God. People will rise up, but it is a sign of good things. You are being recommended for another measure of the spirit of glory that raises up. That, that will discomfit the efforts and the arguments of men to suppress. This is the way of promotion in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. I remember during my youth service, there was a fellowship that I've, I felt led to be part of. And um, those were the days that, you know, before I left camp, campus, little anointing had come on my life. So when I went for youth service, it was an opportunity for me to train myself in the law, train myself for ministry. So when we got part of that fellowship and got involved, and the hand of God began to come on me. Hallelujah. I was a simple teacher and an intercessor at that time. I was not a powerful man. But when I finished teaching, the glory of God will come into that place and all kinds of encounters will begin to take place. In fact, some of them, I, I, I don't even know how it comes. So, there were preachers in that fellowship that felt that I was stealing the show. So, what they did was that they got a lady to testify against me that I committed fornication with her. So, and as my custom is, I don't defend myself. Now, if it is me you are attacking, forget about it, I won't, I won't say anything. But if you, if, you, if you are doing something that will bring injury to the body of Christ, me, I can't sleep. That thing you are doing, do it without putting it online because you are going to damage the body. I will rise up. I have a calling along that line to respond to you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That man practice you are trying to sell. I will use the Bible and pick it out. And this is not, this is contraband. And when I'm doing that kind of business, I don't bring the person into the view. What is wrong is not the person. What is wrong is the malpractice. Do you understand that? So I, that, it's part of my business, okay? So 
the lady testified that I this virgin died. So the whole congregation said, yes, I kept quiet. Even my friends, close friends came to ask me, is it? No, don't worry. That's not what you respond. Don't defend yourself. Allow God. You know God, he just like Jesus was killed and buried. And then the court of heaven sat on the matter. And then resurrection was the response of the final justice terminal. Don't be in a hurry to prove. Don't stand up and say, hey! It means if you do that, you are, you are guilty. You, are, you have something. There's something you are trying to preserve. So, I kept quiet. I kept quiet. Then, I now went to minister somewhere, not too far away. And three crippled people walked in that meeting. And the news of that empowerment, he went back to the fellowship. So the leader said, this man did not have this anointing before. The anointing, we know how God uses him. He raises cripples now. They began to check themselves. Then I went somewhere again to minister. Strange things took place. In fact, that I came back and I was asking God, what are you up to? Are you there? When these things began to take place, then God went to torment the lady <laughs> that brought the false testimony. The torment was strange and then she came and confessed that, ah, it is this pastor that came to tell me to do I was not even in that city when the confession broke out. So by the time I came back, the elders came and said, you know, we're in the house of God. And they, even their presentation was even very terrible. They couldn't coordinate. But you know what? God had elevated me. That was how God gave me openings to begin to preach in cities and in other places. So I, I, I didn't have time to be available for, fellowship, for the fellowship again. God opened doors and I began to minister in. Are you following? And I didn't have time to be available. Not because I didn't want to be available. But there were so many kingdom things that opened up that I had to attend to. And when I was already operating on this tangent of grace and power, it was one year later that the truth now came out. As at the time the truth came out, I didn't even need that truth. Because it was obvious from the verdict of heaven in keeping with the spirit of glory that already rested. That heaven has already judged the matter. Are you, are you following? Don't defend yourself. Allow heaven to judge the matter. A certain minister rose up recently. And his objective was to ensure that he dishonors me. 
did strange things, and after doing that, went to report me to other senior ministers. Are you following? I kept quiet. You did what you did. I didn't respond. Then you now went and reported me. The story has not ended. When the story ends, I'll come back here and tell you this is what happened, this is what happened, and this is what God did. I'm waiting on the court of heaven for final verdict. Yeah. I have, I'm patient because I believe that God is a better judge than your own carnal fleshly response. Let's allow God step in. It doesn't matter how long when he steps in, it will be evident that the spirit of glory has rested on the one that is on the side of the will of God. Many people will envy you. Many people will backbite you. Keep quiet. If you behave yourself, God will be involved. If you behave yourself, God will be involved in the matter. And the way God will answer is that the spirit of glory will rest on you. This mission I went for showed me that the spirit of glory, a higher measure of that spirit that raises, that exalts, that elevates, that takes people from under, from beneath and raises them up. Is the spirit of glory that was responsible for his resurrection, was responsible for his ascension, was responsible for his coronation. The spirit of glory. We went to open our branch in Belgium. So the time came for me to bless Pastor Jonathan and his wife. And I began to invoke the powers of the call, the covenants that I have with God. I began to invoke it and I laid hands on them. Are you with me? Jonathan went down for three hours. He couldn't stand up. We shared the grace and left. I went and ate and went back home. It was there. His wife now went to help him. And he, the, the thing caught up with her. She, she, she was also. <laughs> That's why that video that they showed you. I don't know who made that video. That video is banned. Because if you attended any of these meetings that we are talking about. Oh Jesus Christ. Allow God solve it. He will solve it. And the way he will do it is that he will release the spirit of glory. Your rank, even in the annals of heaven, has changed. The records about you has moved higher. Oh, he said, happy are you. Because the spirit of glory. Many people have insulted me. Then they will insult. Then they will now send somebody to come and ask me to test my pulse. They don't know that I'm an old Christian that I followed Jesus from when I was a young lad. It's not about 
what men feel. That's not, that's not my business. My business is, I want to know what Jesus. Oh my God. Oh my God. So they are going to insult you. And sometimes it's not even people that are unbelievers. They are going to take your story and tell lies about you on the streets. They are going to try to deface you. Just because you are a carrier of a light that, it, that purges. You are an instrument of purging. And so men in alliance with devils will seek to resist you. He said, when you find yourself in this condition, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory, the spirit of God will rest upon me. Today, when I look back, I thank God that that lady lied against me. Because when they don't lie against me, I don't grow. These guys were happy. They, they've been living in peace for a long time. But they became happy after the Sanhedrin caned them. Because they knew that they are now eligible. They were drafted into the economy of the body of suffering. And that means that there is a higher dimension of the glory of God that will be manifested in their life. Meanwhile, many people have lost the glory of their calling. I pray that God will open your eyes to see things the way God sees things. Amen. Not the way men see things. I can live with someone insulting me. I can live with people lying against me. I can live with them. Because my, my first audience is Jesus. Do you understand? No? The spirit of glory. And of God. Don't rest upon you. So part of the things that God is going to do in this time, people that are being buffeted, people that are being, Satan is trying to silence, people that are trying to extend the influence of Christ, and Satan has entered into the hearts of men to raise a wall of opposition to resist them from access and entry. Part of what you begin to see in the body of Christ, the spirit of glory will begin to raise the new functionaries that will speak for God in the land and in the nations. Hallelujah. And there is no way you can be recommended for that kind of elevation if at no point were you reproached for the name of Christ. You want to take your stand with Jesus in a moment as we pray. I stand with Jesus. I stand with a campaign to enthrone him as governor among the nations. I stand with Jesus to proclaim 
his name and his kingdom in spite of the opposition i stand with jesus i stand with jesus give me the grace to stand for what you stand for even when it is not popular even when it is no longer in vogue And who will stand for God in Adelaide? Fight the enemy on faith's battleground. Lift the banner of Christ's high. Giving glory to my King who will stand for God in my land. Will you stand with him? I will stand for God in my land. Fight the enemy on face battleground if the banner of Christ I bring in victory to my king I will stand oh God in my land would you stand when it becomes Difficult. When people consider you and your voice an object of offense because of their fraternity with the way of iniquity. stand for Jesus. Who will stand? Shemi no kongre mama masi alatwa. Lindo mobo si kongresko mamante iko bali asa kongre mama natwa. When it's no longer popular, 
to walk in holiness will you stand as a Nazarite as someone whose garments are not defiled will your testimony your witness will he still be a weapon of the kingdom of light to overthrow the wickedness of your generation Today, our generation is without conviction. If someone is doing something and money is coming, that is proof that God is involved. <laughs> mm. God, God must help us quickly. He must help us quickly. In a moment of time, in the place of prayer right now, you are going to ask God to strengthen your conviction. Strengthen your conviction. Because the reason for persecution is to bring you to a point where you are manipulated out of your conviction. If your heart is poised in such a way that you are willing to pay a price to give him glory then the spirit of glory will rest upon you i am willing to stand my ground i am willing to bear witness like an oracle of fire i am willing i am willing i am willing it doesn't matter what the devil throws at me he say happy are you for the spirit of glory and of God doth rest upon you. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Strengthen me. Strengthen me to take my stand. To take my stand against the evil tide raging in your house. Strengthen me Oh, to be fully energized in the face of contradiction and persecution. Strengthen me. Elo mama mosiko presko filaito mambre kura habaska te bogo de na ikata marai. Elo baskito bramina kanteli arombe skovo zomo koria isa kompres kadabo kote bakude bakasite embrekete la subria la babondabe ambalaisa We need men that are thick, tough to survive in these times, bearing the message of the kingdom of Jesus. Robena Santoria, Rabe Bakaske, Tabila, Antelia. Rumbo 
Rosico presso canto robocoria Mabrico Satoria iscompele Ramisa alabo cote baico remiscotia fortify my conviction fortify my conviction fortify my conviction of Jesus. First Peter chapter 2 from verse 19 to 23. I just want to read the scripture to you. First Peter 2 from verse 19 to 23. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief suffering wrongfully for what glory is it if when ye be buffeted for your faults, ye shall take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, ye take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. Are you there? Right. For even... Hereunto ye were called. It means it's part of our calling to suffer for the cause of Christ. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again when he suffered he threatened not but committed himself to him that judged what righteously so when god puts all the things that are happening in the crucible of the beam balance of justice It will come up with a reading. He said, this man that they have suppressed, let him be raised. This man that they have killed, let him resurrect. This man that they have defaced, let him radiate. This man that they have afflicted, let him reign. It is accepted with God. Oh my God. Can we cry out? And say, do you still, how many of you still remember Anna? Anna. The other lady was insulting her. The other lady was, your, your womb is a grave. Oh.
injustice was prospering and everybody started becoming unrighteous because they felt that injustice was the way of things because it was as though God was not responding to the cry of the just give it time you know who when he was revived revived not again when he suffered he threatened not but committed himself to him that judged righteously. Who told you that the people that are attacking you spiritually, who told you that God is not seeing it? The people that are trying to ensure that you are frustrated, who told you that God does not see it? He said, when it is happening, and you decide to accept it with patience it means you have some understanding and you are committing it to the judge that judges righteously the, the result of the judgment will soon be will soon be available god is a god of justice and in the day in which we dwell you are going to be seeing the response that is coming from the throne of heaven oh my god many among us will be lifted many that were kept in the prison house will be set at liberty many will head for the palace instantly things will begin to change because there's going to be feedback from the justice of heaven. Oh my God. The requirement here is patience. Can we ask God, make me a man of patience. Make me a woman of patience. Someone that will not be in a haste until God arises to respond Because the spirit of glory will rest upon you.